welcome back to ESPN's Aussie Hoops Hour. Uh, as you can probably tell, I'm not Kane. Kane is currently not with us. Uh, he will be back at some point, but until then, I'm Olga Nulic, back with you, and we do have a, a special guest for this one. And before I introduce him, I, I want him to introduce himself. How do I want to do this? So, for many years, I've thought that your name is uh, NBL champion Peter Hooley. Uh... But as host of the huddle, I continue to hear yourself refer to yourself as Peter Hooley. Well, you think I know my own name, wouldn't you? Um, but I don't even hear the difference, to be honest. I, what? I, I do, I do hear it, but like it doesn't compute when people say it. I don't try and change it. But yes, Peter, it is Hooley. So if I say Peter Hooley, technically you're wrong. But I just Peter go Hooley. with it. I just go with it for for these days. So it's like who? It's like like in group or in who? Yes, and uh, it, you're the third person to bring this up in the last two weeks. I don't know why people have just all of a sudden. It must be the huddle, to be honest. People it's jumping a, on. Yeah. Um, We've just noticed it now. Yeah. It's very funny. Well, Jack Heverin also. I think it was last year in a game, uh, in a commentary, uh, introduced me or something, and then during quarter time was like, hang on. Am I saying your name wrong for the last three and a half years? And I was like, well, <laughs> technically you are, but no, it's uh, either or is acceptable. We clearly. need to get to the bottom of a lot of things. I've just, I just told the overtime crew that it's Jacob Jacomus, not Jacob Jacomus. I, I thought that was pretty common knowledge. It is Jacob Jacomus. I think we've said that all the to, time. I had to text Jacob Jacomus and say, say your name to me, please. Mm. And I had to play it in front of the overtime crew. And Liam Santamaria was like, oh no. I've been saying it wrong this whole I feel time. like we've been saying it like that for so long. I mean, even to be fair, uh, Felix Von Hoff still struggles to get your name. Your this is true. Right. I'm a different person every time he introduces every me. Every single time. That's disrespectful. Um, also, how did you get here today? Oh, I, I caught it. Well, I caught a train in. And, I went, and you missed your and stop? And I missed my stop. And you said, but this beauty thing in Melbourne is there's trams everywhere. But so are the e-scooters. So I jumped on an e-scooter and you ran into me on an e-scooter. And there's no one on the roads. Mm-hmm. So it was beautiful. Just, just gliding down the helmet's a bit of a setback. Um, with a receding hairline, but we'll deal with that. <laughs> it is cup day. No one's on the road. I don't know enough about the cup, so I don't care about it. Um, everyone else in this city apparently does. Oh, it stops the nation. Uh, but the cool thing was because, and I think because it was cup day, they were, Melbourne United was able to get 10,000 plus people out of John Kane Arena last night mm-hmm. to watch what ended up being a really dramatic, hilarious, uh, but also filled with good pockets of basketball game between United and the Perth Wildcats. Perth Wildcats won in overtime. Uh, there was drama. There were big shots. There were big misses. Uh, there the there was a continuation of the officiating issue that everyone is having. But just generally, uh, let's start. Let's start on. Let's start on Perth because the officiating will be a thing, and we'll delve into it because it's sort of the big story for this this week. Yep. But Perth is interesting. They come out of this round two and zero. They beat Adelaide. There was a scare in the middle of that game, but they got that win at home. And then they come to Melbourne, a game that should have been a scheduled loss for them. Mm-hmm. Melbourne was healthy. First minute, 47 seconds in, Luke Travers falls down, hits his head on Ariel Hukporty's knee. So Travers is out with a concussion. Hukporty was sort of iffy for the rest of that game with that knee injury. Ian Clark hit three straight threes. He had a re-aggravation of that hamstring issue. So for the first time, they're full strength. And within the first few minutes, they were no longer. So they sort of jinxed themselves there. But I want to focus on Perth because Perth is slowly, I think, figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if you agree after this 2-0 and week. Well, I didn't have it as a schedule loss for Perth either, to be honest. Because really? I thought the, the long break for Melbourne and them being at full strength, I think, well, obviously they're not going to be at full strength for a little bit, if, depending on the injuries and the concussion yeah. and brawl. I think the protocols for Melbourne, they have a different protocol for the league, by the way, because of the things that have happened 
obviously, in recent history. So I don't think Luke Travers will play next week. Uh, it, depending how it might be his first concussion or it might not be as bad. I mean, the, the normal protocol is seven days. I think so. Seven exactly. days. So if there's as longer than that, then yeah, you can rule them out for next round. Already. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I expect like once they were at full strength and they're due a loss and just off that long of a break, they've been eager to play, that the hype around being healthy for the first time, I kind of expected that to be a loss anyway and okay. Perth coming in. But... Yeah, again, that change, and we called for change. Well, everyone called for change for Perth for something, and I thought it was going to be a starting lineup change, firstly, before anything drastic happened. Let's change something in the starting lineup. I predicted Alex Saar might come in. That was what I thought might happen. But the Jordan Usher thing, again, I think it was something that was inevitable. Uh, we saw him struggle in, in recent weeks, and it just rejuvenates everybody. It's that kind of change. Hiram Harris was a, a great piece to bring into great. the starting lineup. Um, but Jordan Usher, again, it's kind of, it's weird to say a new lease on life, but he comes in with like the pressure off him. He's like, okay, I get to see how the game's going. I'm an energy guy. I'm going to come in and, and spark things. And he wasn't, he didn't have his greatest game yesterday. Either, he hit some big shots. But he hit some big shots. Yeah. He hit some big shots. He also had some hilarious moments. Yes. Of just, he, he's coaching him is just peaks and valleys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's interesting, and I want I'll touch on Usher and then I'll touch on, Hiram Harris and Jesse mm. Wagstaff and those guys. Um, there was the, there was a criticism that I heard out of the Wildcats camp in that Jordan Usher was one of John Riley's boys, like one of his guys. So right. it's someone that he has, he has known for a while. He brought him in. So it's like, all right, I'm vouching for you. And so the question was, can he bench him? Or can he hold him accountable? And then in, when I thought a bit more deeply about it, I thought, okay, maybe John Riley is one of the only coaches who can do that for him. Because Jordan Usher is a really unique character, mm -hmm. and so sort of delving into to that and, and trying to trying to like get into him might be a really tough thing to do because he is a unique guy, and so I think John really might be one of the only people in basketball who can do that, and he did, and he's come off the bench both games, given them a little spark, and I think it sort of gives him that leash to be a little bit more erratic on the court because you're not relying on him to be so solid for you, mm -hmm. whereas John really did what we all I think called for him to do, which was put a connector in this lineup, throw a Hiram Harris in, throw a Jesse Wagstaff in. And Hiram Harris got bulk minutes. Jesse Wagstaff played the four to end that game. And I think the key to this team and someone who's been super unheralded, but I think had a great game last night was Christian Doolittle. Yep. And that's someone who they slide him, they can slide him down to the three. They can play him a small ball five if they want to, but him at the three has really changed everything that they do because then they can be a lot bigger you can play Alex Sar and Keanu Pinder together. I don't. We hadn't. I think we saw less than twenty possessions this season of Saar, Pinder, Doolittle on the floor at the same time. Because you just didn't expect it as no, they were going to have to be two of them. You just thought Doolittle was going to come in and mm -hmm. he's the four. Um, but he's been playing the three, and it, it bolsters them defensively. It bolsters the way they can rebound the ball, and it's really changed the way this team can play. And unfortunately, that means less minutes for someone like uh, Corey Webster. And then that means just with everyone sliding up and down, less minutes for Ty Webster. And I think that's good for this team. I think they're, they're way more defense-focused with Christian Doolittle being so versatile and him playing the three and four and wherever wherever JR wants to put him. Back to the Jordan Nush thing on that as well, because I think it's weird to say, but it was somewhat of a curse to this team that he had 35 in the opening night. Yeah. Because he came in with the defensive hype and he said it himself, that's the kind of player he was. That's why he was recruited. He comes in the first game of the season where Tasmania, no doubt that scout was, we're going after Bryce, we're going after Keanu, he's a new signing on this team. Yeah. So Jordan Usher, and he balled out, and he hit a lot of threes, and no doubt in the back of his mind, he's like, hang on, I am I can score a lot in this league. I'm an <laughs> offensive weapon. And no matter what team you're on at any level, 
there is always going to be a hierarchy in terms of offensive threats. That's the way it is. You've got your star players. Yep. And I think for a little bit there, there was that confusion of, is that why we brought you in? And is the league going to be that easy to score in every single night? No, it's not. Yep. And I think now that he's coming off the bench, he doesn't have to do that. But you're right. That's uh, It's a great lineup change for, for that. I think a lot of people thought that some minutes would drastically decrease. You mentioned the Webster brothers, um, who I still think in certain games, you're going to have Corey Webster have 15 points off the bench and be a huge spark. Like there's going to have that opportunity now. Um, but defensively, the NBL, if you can't play D, you're not going to win. Yeah. And you can't play. Exactly. And that's why when people question, people ask the question a lot, why isn't Ben Henschel playing? I don't think that, I don't think he's ready defensively. Yeah. Or at least I don't think the coaching staff thinks that. And so that's why some of these guys aren't playing. It's, a, it's the case with a lot of next stars mm-hmm. around the league. Why aren't they playing? Because they're kids. Yeah. And generally, kids aren't great. And the gen- <laughs> generally, kids can't defend, right? The, the, there's, a, there's a unique child yeah. who can play in this league right away. And it just, it happened to be Lamelo, who was a top three pick, and, hap- and he took some time. Yeah. Happened to be Giddy, who was a top six pick. And then it's like the Australians and Europeans who come here. So so that's a unique part of it. Um, Bryce didn't have his best game. And you sort of expect there's sort of a dip going from being guarded by DJ mm-hmm. Vasilievich to being guarded by Shea Ely. There is a dip that's going to happen. But he got to the line 14 times. Uh, so he was still able to produce. But the big storyline of this game, and it sort of... And of course it yeah. was able to cap off... You've been waiting for this. Of course. I, what, so it, it, it capped off... a hilarious round of officiating Mm -hmm. um and i think it was really brought to the fore in that game between the southeast melbourne phoenix and the brisbane bullets um which i honestly didn't think was too badly officiated i thought michael Allen set the tone yeah pretty early on really like nicely pretty early um but then it carried over to that cans southeast game and then carried over to this game where if i have the numbers how many how many free throws were shot in this game so I think just, it was 66, I think. Just the Wildcats had 40 right. uh, free throw attempts. So 61 fouls, 79 free throws. There you go. In this game. So it was a 7.30 tip. Uh, that game finished, granted it was an overtime game. It finished yep. at 10 p.m. Yeah. Um, that was the case game before, the Southeast Melbourne game. Um, what is... Where do you want to start on the officiating? Do you want to, do you want to focus on a call? I think we have to. We talk about last night's game because Melbourne think they should have been at the free throw line trying to win it before overtime. So Dean Vickerman mentioned this. Yeah. Uh, and it was something that he said he's going to speak to Scott Butler about. Yep. He is confused as to the process here. Yeah. Um, so for those at home who don't understand, can you give us a, an explanation of Delhi drives to the rim, gets fouled, gets fouled <laughs> yep. and won. Uh, the call on the floor was a push. Yep. And then that was challenged. Yes. And that was... And, and Delhi was seemingly really obviously raked across the arms. Yep. But it was a successful challenge from John Reilly because the push, they, because they didn't deem there was a push. It's, now, why? It's a very unique thing to do with the coach's challenge. Now, apparently every, I think every off season when, when Scott Butler and the NBL goes to the coaches and says, how would you like the challenge? Because they've changed it now. Like you keep it, like if you're successful yeah. stuff. Um, and it happened years back where it's like, if there's a bang, bang play, say there's two players on, in there, say Bryce is in there as well. Yeah. But Bryce fouls, but the call from the referee is like, oh, someone's fouled, it's Alex Sarr. Yeah. But it's not who you're challenging. Do you want that switched over because it's still a foul on the play? Coaches all agree, no. Which I'm, I'm with on that one. I agree. But now if it went to, okay, if there's a specific foul call, so in this instance, there's a pushing foul called, are you challenging the foul on the play or the specific pushing foul? And if it's a 
other foul do you want it switched over? And all the coaches I said no. And I think they've said no. They want it just what you're doing because in the back of their mind, they're going to win more than they lose games because of it. Sure. So in the end, you're challenging a pushing foul, which wasn't there. Yeah. But the hands foul was 100% there. Yeah. But it's a successful challenge. And it happened two weeks ago because it caught me off guard. I think it was Smith Milner in an Adelaide game. Yeah. Was called for a blocking foul when and, he was straight up. And we assume CJ knew this rule. CJ did know this rule yeah. and he swiped and Smith Miller swiped down after and got basically all face. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is going to be unsuccessful because he fouled. He that hit him across the head. It is a foul. But he challenged the blocking foul, which wasn't there. It was yeah. a hands across the face and he was he knew it and it was successful. Yeah. So the, the problem here is the the outcome, whatever the process is, so that is the process that's in place, mm-hmm. like this rule. What outcomes are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to achieve the correct result? Or are we trying to make these teams just play the game? Because at this point, the, the league is becoming a game. And, and players are trying to play the game as opposed to playing the sport. Right? And so they're trying to maneuver around the rules. Mm-hmm. And the outcomes are bad calls. Or objectively wrong calls. And, and that's where I'm just confused at how long this rule can stay in place because how many how many times does a guy go to the rim and he gets blocked up top and they might call a hands foul on that one but there's obvious body like a, a, a foul can have multiple charges in yeah. it at once right yeah. so that's where that's where there's a confusion yeah, i don't i don't like where it. this doesn't feel sustainable this this rule is, yeah. in particular doesn't feel sustainable I personally like if i'm if i'm a head coach and that's brought to me in in the off season i'm probably saying I don't like it. Uh, can we, if there's a foul in the play like yesterday, I, yeah. I just want to challenge the overall foul call. Now, if there's two people in there and it's on the wrong person, no, I don't want it switched over. Like, I'm okay with that one. I don't want it in that play. Yeah. It, I just want to challenge what that person's foul is. But if it's a foul in general, I would have said, no, I still want that. That's what I'm challenging the whole play. So, yeah, it's it's happened twice now. It just happened to be that one could have been a game-winning free throw attempt. Yeah. And I think more often than not, coaches are going to win challenges because of it, which is why they said, hang on. Yeah, yeah, I want to challenge a specific foul because in the heat of the moment for a referee, you're right. They're going up and if there's a multiple things, yeah. in the back of coach's mind, they're like, well, they might just get that specific foul wrong, so yeah. I can challenge that. Um, and the flip side of it all is just don't do a Mike Kelly and challenge something in the first four minutes on uh, a bench really player. Silly. Really silly. Because there's just no need to do it. Really <laughs> no, silly. And they, he needed that later on. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he didn't cost him the game, but... Put the coach's challenge away in the first half. And credit to J- JR for having that Correct. that time, mm-hmm. that challenge up his sleeve as well. Um, you think he knew the rule specifically as well? Or he was just... I think that was, we have nothing to lose. Yeah, I think that We're was We're going to throw this at it, yep. and if it sticks, awesome. Yep. Um, and the outcome just ended up being in his favor, but but against the rule. Yeah. Which, which, again, slightly absurd. And then I know Melbourne had issue with the call prior to that, where Chris Golding fouled Christian Doolittle. Mm before the Alexar basket, but they still counted the basket. Uh, again, so Doolittle went to the line for a chance to give Perth four points in that play. They probably shouldn't have counted the Alexar basket. So again, there's, there was a, there are a lot of things. There was a travel on that possession as well by Jordan Usher that didn't get called. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. The, when, I, when I talk about these guys playing the game, like that's part of it. It's also that Southeast Cairns game was gross. Yeah. Because it was just like a flop fest. Yeah. Because it's it's Tajir McCall and these guys out here knowing that if I flail on my drive to the rim, they're going to call it. Yeah. And then Southeast is incentivized. Oh, we will also flop. And so all of a sudden, you don't have guys playing basketball. You have guys trying to flop because they're trying to play the game, not the sport. 
and I don't think that's watchable. It, that was a heavy mayonnaise game, that one. And it started, Bad. and it was, again, the fla- and flailing in your right, and um, it, then it got chirpy, and then everybody was getting, and it would just turn into ugly basketball. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to just going down. Like, if the flops, like, let's just start teeing up. Just one free throw, just start teeing people up. Let's straight just, up? Straight up. Yeah, I agree. There's enough, there's enough real bad ones out there. Where you, and even if it's like, oh, there's a bit of contact, if you start setting a precedent, yeah. people will stop doing it. I agree. I agree. And and I've spoken to Liam Santamary about this. He spoke about the idea across basketball of when the ball gets in the basket, don't touch it. Yeah. And they were really, really sort of picky about if you touch the ball, that's a delay a game. Yeah. And people stop doing it yeah. generally. So you can put these rules in. That was that and shooting after the whistle. Remember that was a big thing a couple of seasons ago. But where, then remember what they did? Yeah. They they stopped even counting that. They yeah. they they stopped they the refs ignored that at yeah. some point. Yeah. Because it was like it this is like not functional. Yeah, it and slowed so the game down. Again, like my whole the whole point is like how do we get good outcomes? Mm. And so that good outcomes are correct calls or as correct of, of a call as you can get. And how can this league continue to be like watchable and and comfortable to play in? I'm okay with the straight tee, but I'm also in the coaches challenge. I'd be okay with just being like the last like three minutes of the game, like and yeah. that way if you've got a star, because other the only other reason you're going to use it should use a challenge if a star player is about to pick up a fourth or third before yeah. that. Yeah. And if that's the case, let's just go back to maybe they have to sit or they have to play smarter, and then only the last few minutes of the game can you challenge something because that's what I it's there's always going to be these little specifics that make it hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, last thing on it is I, I really hope that the refs do speak about reputational floppers in the league because mm-hmm. we all know who they are and th- and they keep falling for them. And it's so frustrating because it's just, they, they, they ref with no nuance and that frustrates me. Uh, I know there are multiple teams, including Melbourne, who Dean Beckman said it in his press conference, who will make a complaint to the league this week at, about one thing or another. Um, and I know there was a call in New Zealand, the, the call on Anthony Lamb with Jalen Adams driving to the rim, which was really similar to this Alex Saar one. Lamb was called for a foul on that. Saar was not. That was Moni Mayor's final timeout, mm-hmm. and he didn't have one to end the game. And so, again, everything sort of trickles, and there's inconsistency, which is what people around the league have issue, take issue with. <sighs> Ref's done. <laughs> uh, let's go to something more positive, which is Sydney. Mm-hmm. Sydney went 2-0 this week. Uh, they had lost to Cairns, and that game, to me, felt like, a, all right, we're going to get DJ Hoag some reps today. Uh, they, I don't think they ran their stuff as cleanly as they usually do. Uh, Hogue was really good this week, not just offensively, but defensively. He led the league in stocks last year, steals and blocks combined. He looks like he's on track to sort of do that again this year. But uh, big win over Illawarra, like a huge win. Yeah. Heading down to the gong. It just like They just never look rattled. Just you know, annihilating. Yeah. It was close after the first quarter, but you can tell... Sydney was just getting to wherever the hell they wanted. That's a um, different story. We'll, we'll yeah, touch on it. We'll, we'll hit Illawarra soon. Uh, and then a win over New Zealand. And New Zealand is starting to put it together. Mm-hmm. They've had some injuries. Uh, but that was a, a pretty gritty win for Sydney over them. Uh, what do you what do you think of this ceiling for Sydney? Because all of a sudden, they're 6-3. and three. United is 8-2. and two. Yep. So we're talking about like losses. They only have one less loss than Melbourne. We talk about Melbourne as this sort of invincible team. What is what is Sydney's ceiling in your eyes? I've had it for some reason. I've had the date of January six of them going to be peaking and they're going to be really hard to beat. Okay. And once they figured it out, obviously Jalen Galloway's been injured, but DJ Hoke's the insurrection, right? Yeah, well, I've just that's just, for some reason it's been it's just been a date in my mind of the new year, the yeah, new no. year. Yeah. Of, because I'm just like, say January seven, bro. January seven. <laughs> Let's go January ten. Let's just get, stay stay way away from it. Uh, yeah, I just think in the new year. 
to what is they're going to be peaking at at their best. Yeah. Um, and it's just I think they're going to be really hard to beat when it, when everybody's roles are figured out. They've got uh, elite players in nearly every position, and their bench is the bench from last year who know what to do in big moments. And if they lose a player in the playoffs, if they lose a player down the stretch for a couple of games, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really high on their ceiling, and they're going to be tough to beat. To start this season, getting so many high quality reps into Alex Tui, mm-hmm. uh, getting these reps into McQuatch, Malwatch, um, everybody who's contributing right now. When DJ Ho, he's come back and he's slowly getting more and more minutes. Like these minutes that Tui's getting, that get, that Jalen Galloway got earlier in the season. Everyone is just gonna. There's a, there's gonna be a point. And it could be around that time that you said, that date that you said that we shall not mention, <laughs> the, the the capital storming date, where they're going to figure, where everyone's yeah. going to click at the same time. Yep. Um, and the scary thing is, and we wrote about this in our headlines or storylines piece, uh, me, you, and, and Kane Pittman, Jalen Adams is still still figuring it out. Yeah, it's He, he gets where he wants. Um, he has He controls the pace of every game he's involved in, but the efficiency isn't quite there yet. Um, their defense is picking up as a team. Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're not even close, right? No, and they're I'm, still six and three. I don't think they're close because the defense is a completely different scheme we saw for the last two years. There's the heavy switching is what they wanted to, to yep. figure out. And that takes a while to, to understand. And I don't care how good their practices have looked. If they're like, okay, our switching looks great in practice. Playing against another team yeah. is going to completely junk that up. It's going to take a while for that to work. But what they can do, Jonah Bolton's playing great in his role. Um, Jordan Hunt has been unbelievable as well so I think once they hit their stride with Jalen Adams and the way the MVP race is always going to be spoken about and we talked about it in in the headlines the storylines piece you you want a great individual season statistically obviously yep. you want your team has to perform well to be in the MVP conversation yes but when the game is on the line are you going to take over whether just scoring or just put the game to bed and Jalen Adams will do that yeah the the interesting thing the switching is so fun because mm. They are they are unapologetic about it. Yeah, they, and they are uncompromisable. They just they switch everything, and I think it's more. You get some teams who try to defend based on matchups, and mm-hmm. and they they switch what they do defensively based on who's in front of them. Sydney's like, no, we're just going to get really really good at this, yeah. and we're going to make it work for us. Um, they're the most posted up team in the league right now. I think they get posted up around ten percent of opposing uh, plays, mm-hmm. um, but the points they give up isn't really that high and so it's interesting that we the optics makes it look like oh like there's a there's a mismatch down low they're throwing it in they can't keep switching the the points per possession they points per play they give up from opposing post ops isn't really that high and so the thing that you assume you're losing from switching everything they're not really losing that and this is why i think that once they get everybody back, there's there's going to be possessions uh, where they could even roll out a, like a Jalen Galloway, DJ Hogue, big man like like a just just switch everything and yeah. that and because look around the league right now, there's one dominant big where you'd be worried about a bit of a mismatch and like okay when, and that's JLA. JLA yeah that's JLA because Keanu Pinder is a different he's a unique big likes to put the ball on the floor where he still hasn't been at his best from what we've seen the last couple of years in this Perth system and I'm yeah. sure that'll come but right now if you're Sydney you're probably sitting back and thinking. We can have some really funky things going on against a lot of other teams. And then maybe it's just a little different when JLA's on the floor. And because there's five men, you look Marcus Lee, Baines is coming, like Tyrell Harrison. Like, the, yeah. There's not that many out there who are just dominant offensive threats. Yeah. The, they're, they're unique because 
I look at Hogue, I look at Tui. Mm-hmm. They can basically guard one through five. Correct. And outside of those two, is it maybe Travers is the only other person in the league who can do that? Mm-hmm. That's super unique. And so once everyone gets sort of acclimated and once DJ Hogue finds his footing and he hits some, he some big shots in that game, yep. uh, which we know he can do, but there are lineups that they can throw out there that they can just they can just mess around if they want to. Exactly. Which is crazy. And that's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, Alan Williams, sorry, we should throw out there is another one. Alan Williams, um, Isaac Humphries has been great. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are, there are some bigs, but like I don't know if it's... Th- these aren't guys that you need to cater your entire yeah, yeah. defense toward. Yep. Whereas I think JLA is maybe that guy. Yeah, he is. Um, On that, by the way, we talked about Cindy Kings. Last week, was it was it an overtime where you talked about... Uh, Tyler Harvey, the most clutch players that they threw out there in the league. Yeah, that wasn't my segment, but yeah, they, no, they, they spoke. They about spoke it. about it. I just don't want to be impugned in that. Yeah, are we? Uh, when are we going to start giving Sean Bruce some some props? Because oh, the night night from last year, and he, he and today, I don't know. Has he missed a clutch shot? <laughs> I'm not sure if he has. So if we're going on that, then maybe he's got to be in the conversation. So I have a theory about Sean Bruce. Sean Bruce will miss wide open looks in yep. the second quarters, mm-hmm. but he will hit contested. Hey absurd shots in fourth quarters when they matter he only hits big shots are you he on my side hit... here no i am he, yeah he doesn't hit small shots no he can, he's he's at any time if the game is not on the line or if this if the moment doesn't matter yeah he's bad but when the moment matters he is the best the most clutch player yeah. in the league and it's hilarious yeah I'm... um and defensively too and i thought it was interesting okay i'll mention this before we go into illawarra because illawarra we need to speak about yes um the Mahmoud was speaking in his press conference and he said he turned to his coaching staff and said, all right, the game's on the line. We can put on whoever we want. We don't need a point guard on the floor. We just need someone out there. And our team dictates that we can't just throw anyone out there and it's fine. Yep. Who do I put on? And the consensus was, yeah, put Sean Bruce on. Because he's the vet, he is proven in those moments and he will just be solid and reliable. And that's that's the sort of piece that a lot of teams are missing. Um including what a segue including the illora hawks yeah we, we talk about teams teams need that ultimate trust guys is what i like to call them the ultimate trust guy they, yeah they're in that circle of trust and there's probably shaley's another one yep and then i'm trying to think like a wag staff maybe a mitch norton wag staff type. i agree there's not a whole there's not a heap of them going around yeah they're so unique yeah um having a version of that is is amazing i don't think illora has that and that's been an issue for them they're the worst defensive team still uh, granted, they did play the one of the best, the a top two offensive team in Sydney, but they were a bad defensive yeah. team before that. Um, it was not a good showing against Sydney. Changes of some sort need to be made, um, and I wonder what you think that is. Right, they rolled with the same starting lineup every game basically. I think there was one game where Greta started at the three instead of Wani. Um, Didn't mind that to be honest. <laughs> right, and and Greta's numbers this season, as far as his efficiency yeah. and effectiveness, he's been great. Um, but I. Justin Robinson, I don't think, has performed up to the expectation that he would set for himself. I don't think Tyler Harvey's performed up to that expectation. Gary Clark is the only guy who's, I think, found his footing. Yeah. And he is looking like, I think he's one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. He's super talented. But then it's just like the rotations just seem a bit off. Nothing, there's no balance on the floor. It just seems like they have like a lot of one position, but they don't trust anyone in that position. And they're losing games because of it. They're two and six right now. And they're almost at a point where it's, it's, it's a wrap. I uh, it hurts me because I was so high on Justin Robertson, and we've seen flashes of like, okay, this he's is great at summer this league. Is an NBA we yeah, exactly. Like this is an NBA caliber player, and I think he's I think he's put a little too much pressure on himself, and I think he said that he's been open about that. 
Um, but why I was so high on him because last year when they came in and they signed him, I was like, geez, this bat lefty backcourt of Tyler Harvey and Justin Robinson is going to be elite. Yeah. Just not working, is it? Uh, especially from the, from the start. And when big calls have to be made, we saw Jordan Usher, Chris Smith coming off the bench. I think that's the I think that's the only move they can make, to be honest. Like in the starting lineup, is just one of them has to see a different lineup. Doesn't I think we put too much emphasis on who starts a game. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It matters who finishes it because if they come in, say it's whichever one of them comes off the bench and they both play well, they're both going to finish the game. I think it, I think it matters who starts game as far as tone setting. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you're trying to say for the players. Ego should just be Correct. lifted off. So that's yeah, you're right. It definitely matters on you need to have your right starting five. Yeah. Um, but, but for yeah. a player, you should not feel no. like you're being disrespected or no. aggrieved by being benched. Because it, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean that. If and you and, still play thirty minutes and you are on in the clutch and you play well, it doesn't yeah. matter who's on the score sheet with an X next to it. Yeah, and, and the my the the issue I have is I think they haven't been great offensively, and mm. that's been a problem. And and I think Tyler Harvey hasn't shot as well as he he would want to. Same with Justin Robinson. And so, like what John really did in Perth, there needs to be a catalyst of some sort, mm-hmm. right? But then it's also, there's also defensive issues. So it's like, you, you need to fix a lot of different things. They don't have a backup point guard right now. They're still trying to figure out who that is. And you have sort of AJ and his camp on one side, AJ Johnson wanting to play him at the point. And then Wiley Bales gives him some decent minutes in that game last week. And so it's like, who, who do you play there? Who do you trust there? And we're getting to a point where they're two and six. And it's everyone's tight, mm-hmm. and the coach is tight as well. So rotations are—you get no leash anymore. And so I'm curious as to how they how they solve that, how they solve getting the most out of Lockie Olbrick because he's really talented, but I don't think they've been able to sort of squeeze that out of him when when they could. And I think he could be good defensively for them too. Man, the the fix for this team is more than one. It's more than just a starting lineup change, yeah. obviously. Um, but I think Tyler Howe, like is playing the two right now, right? And he's yeah. not he's not your usual shooting guard where if you're Justin Robinson who does love to pass the ball and create and play make, when you throw the ball to Tyler Harvey, he's not a real feet set catch and shoot guy. He needs the ball in his hands. He he's got incredible moves. He likes to dance. He likes to step back. Yeah. That's harder to do when you're in the off guard position. So you, turn, you asked about who the backup point is. To be honest, I think it's just going to be Robertson and Harvey just sharing that duty for the yeah. entire game. And whether that means that they don't play a whole lot together, they still will play a bunch together. Um, I think that's one of the looks they potentially look at going forward. Yeah, I think I think Greta needs more minutes. I think he'd bolster. That would be my change. He it'd, would bolster what they do yeah. defensively. It would be either Robertson or Harvey to the bench and bring in Greta. Um, and that's just a bit of a spark there. And then see what happens when whoever that Robertson or Harvey comes in. It's their time to shine with five yeah. minutes to go in the first quarter. Yeah. J- Jacob Jacoma said in his press conference after that loss to Sydney that there will be a change. Mm-hmm. He intimated that it could be in the starting lineup. Uh, one thing that I'll flag um, is Mason Peatling returns okay. this week. Do not be surprised if we see Mason Peatling enter the starting lineup as a tone setter. This is something that I've I've heard around the traps. Uh, it would not surprise me. Gary Clark slides down to the three. He played Don't the th- he played the three in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Mason Peatling comes in, set the right tone yep. for a team that sucked defensively. Right, maybe that helps them. Um, before I, I do want to talk real quick about like the six and like the there's like a fight for it but real quick new zealand they're, they're figuring some stuff out um they had a win over Cairns, which is a really good home win for them and then i thought it was a good loss to to uh to sydney mm-hmm. they were basically a shot away from winning that game they've yep. had their injuries uh mcdowell white benched 
not enough people have been talking about this. Yeah. He is their marquee guy. He's got a mutual option for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of that? For me, it seems like they've got Parker Jackson Cartwright and Will McDowell White, these two ball dominant guys, and they have dropped to two and f- two and five on the season. So they need to get some wins. And so it's what can we do to to make this happen? We can't continue to experiment with these two, or at least we don't have like the the flexibility right now yeah. to f- to let these guys figure out how they work together. And I trust that they will, but I, it seems like we're just gonna let them have two elite point guards for each unit, and we're gonna hopefully win games that way. That's probably the safest way to win games. That's my feel. My my preseason awards watch, I had Parker Jackson Caro sixth man of the year. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> because I thought that was gonna be the Barry Brown type you bring in, and because Wilmington, I was the most sought after free agent we've had in, in a while. Yep, Mar- they, he's a marquee player. He's he, a marquee Australian point guard. And he's the best Australian point guard. Yep. Like we talk about, the, he was in the boomers camp, like the next Josh Skiddy type. Like that's what Fringe he does. Fringe NBA guy. Correct. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's unique because I, I didn't expect it. I thought that maybe they could use that punch with Barry Brown Jr. still play 30 minutes a game. And it, we talked about similar thing with Illawarra. Like this, you bring in someone who's going to then go to the bench who doesn't expect it and... I think this team, uh, we saw last week, I think it was Will McDowell-White when he came in uh, at John Canary. I think I'm playing the Phoenix. He had 14 points and just looked really aggressive to, to score. And yep. after, and that looked like a guy who was he had down on form trying to figure out his role. and Couldn't make a shot to start the season. Couldn't make a shot. But just that, like out, he just looked rusty. But also that has never bothered him in the past because he's still going to play make for others. He's still going to get rebounds. He's still going to finish with 7-7-7 seven, seven, and, seven and yep. have a good imprint on the game. So it's kind of like he's like, okay, well... I'm not. I'm not getting my usual ball handling, playmaking time. So he's kind of. Like, I've got to put some points on the board. So I would have probably switched it. But Parker Jackson Carwright started unbelievable. And again, yeah. I think that hand injury to win with White kind of Moni Mouse. So okay, PJC's elite too. Yeah. Um. So it is hard. It is very unique. Nose Island cheat him as well. So it's kind of like thinking, what what do we do here? And um, they've been up against it. Obviously, there's some things out of their control. Uh. I just want to see him get back to having the ball in his hands 80% of the game. I agree. <laughs> uh, Anthony Lamb has been solid for them. Mm-hmm. Parker Jackson Cartwright has as well. So they're fig- they're slowly figuring it out. I think Anthony Lamb's finding his spots and how yep. to score in this league. He looked elite in both of their games. Yeah. Um, I, I struggle to talk. He went to my rival college, so it's kind of a... Yep. It's, it's really hard to really... So this is the Anthony Lamb Memorial Pod. Yeah, uh, it's hard to talk. Vermont, uh, we just don't... We yeah, don't so we're going to go... This, here begins our 30-minute uh, chat yeah. with Anthony Lamb. <laughs> Um, no, so I want to end on just looking at the six. And mm-hmm. So I ha- there's like a, there's an inclination every round that I look at the top six and I'm like, hey, that's probably going to be the top six to finish. Well, you said, you know, article last week, I think. And, and I, that wasn't unreasonable to mm-hmm. think of. Um, but also I disagreed with the, but I thought it was an interesting, cause there's, there's so much parody. Yep. It's just an interesting sort of thought experiment. I love when you bring the, the headline to our article and then disagree with your own. Yeah, because well, I bring of... the hottest take. That's true, it's true. Yeah, it's also like we, we speak with people around the league every day. People bring up some absolute, yeah, yeah. like the worst arguments to us. And so it's like, hey, let's include that. Yep. Um, Out of those teams, not in the top six. So like you've got Melbourne and Sydney as your one and two and they feel like a one and two. Yeah. Um, And then you have Southeast, Tassie, Brisbane, Perth. Yep. Now, those teams are separated by one loss. So it's this is all so close. Mm-hmm. And even Cairns, who's... Sitting in seventh, they also have the same amount of losses as Southeast, yeah. who's sitting in third, right? So this is extremely close. Who in that four, the bottom four, do you think is the most likely to solidify a spot in the six over the next 
let's say month or two. I thought I was going to have to turn into Kane Pittman and be high on Tassie, which I am. But I'll let I'll let Kane stay with that because Tassie's I'm, fine. Tass, no, but I'm really high on them. I'm I'm really high on this. They're uh, fine. I think it's hard because of those injuries we just saw and everything that you talk about teams that have been up against it with things out of their control. The Taipans, I, I was sneaky high on if they can get everybody on the floor. They've had sickness. They've had injuries. They've had babies. It's travel is they've had babies. No, it's, yeah. it's it's been a mess. Yeah, travel issues like going to Christchurch and yeah. then coming to Melbourne. It's it's, it's up rough. against it. Um, but I still think they once they get everybody because I'm so on board this new evolution of ball qual. I love what I'm seeing um, from ball qual. Sam Wardenberg again. I he think looks great. He looks great. Um, someone I think someone said he was the like NBL Nikola Jokic, and I was like, that's a ridiculous. And then I'm oh. Not absurd. Uh, and maybe they want the passing, but I was like, are you just saying with tall white guys? Is that, is that what it is? That's just like that's almost racism. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's what I was like, is that what we're going with? Um, it was a Cairns fan who said it, so okay. it makes sense. Uh, um, but no, I'm really high. Uh, I'm really high on the Taipans if they can get everybody healthy. Um, obviously, Pat Miller's a, a big out for them. Yeah. Uh, Should no be back surprise. this week, though. Should be back. Um, but everyone else, I think, is the way that Ad- they can play on the Adam Ford system. Uh, Sam and Enger bring something unique off the bench now. Uh, I think it's just a, it's going to be a fun squad that we've seen in the last two seasons. Yeah. They're going to win a lot of games, and the games they lose, they're probably going to get blown out. That's just the way it works <laughs> for them. Yeah. They're, they're such an inter- they're an interesting team because. Uh, Cairns and Tassie, when I speak with teams around the league, mm. they point to those two teams as like, they're just going to be in games. Yeah. And they will, they will, they'll grind you out. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because they're well coached uh, and just like the nature of the guys that they have. Mm-hmm. They're just pretty gritty. Uh, Cairns right now, uh, worst, similar to last season, they've got the worst offense in the league and they have a really good defense. Yeah. And we'll see how that sort of, it's middles out because they haven't played as many games as other teams. And they're behind the eight ball because they're... Because of their injuries as well. Taron Armstrong was supposed to have they haven't a had a point. They haven't exactly. had like a functional point guard yep. basically the entire time. And Taron Armstrong's still, still coming back. He's still dealing with it. You can see... He's on a minutes restriction still. Yeah. And so they're figuring out how and when mm-hmm. to use Taron Armstrong. Tajima McCall's just come back as well and he's still a bit rusty because he didn't even play in... He travelled to New Zealand. He didn't play in it. Hasn't slept for three weeks. Um, and then Pat Miller uh, coming off his injury as well. And so... Yeah, they just haven't had a point guard, so it makes sense that their offense isn't great. Mm-hmm. And they're also in a gross game against Southeast Melbourne. Yeah. Um, look, that's that's all we've got for this week. Unless, do you have anything else that you want to bring up? No, I'm... Uh, anything at the top of mind? No, not, nothing at the top of mind. I'm, geez, I'm pretty excited for the throwdown next week, though. Throwdown next week is probably the game of the week. So yeah. next week, obviously... Only every, five games. There are not many. There are, there are five games next week. Yeah. Uh, so obviously every game on ESPN opens up with... Uh, New Zealand in Perth, which is a big game. Big game. See if Perth can continue doing what they're doing. See if New Zealand can pick up a really mm-hmm. good uh, road win. Um, so that's a big game. But I think all eyes will be on that Southeast versus Melbourne yeah. throwdown. It's a technically Southeast home game. That's first versus third. Both teams were rolling going into this round. They've had their setbacks, but th- these are two of the elite teams. If hopefully both teams, it sucks that Luke Travers probably won't be there. Yeah. But both, but healthy. Or these, Ian Clark, potentially. Or potentially Ian Clark. Uh, hopefully, Ariel Hockporty pulls up okay, mm-hmm. and hopefully Will Cummings plays yeah. for Southeast. And so, both teams dealing with injuries, but healthy. These are two of the elite teams, at least talent-wise, in the league. Um, so, I'm excited about that. Obviously, WNBL has just kicked off on ESPN. So, get across all of that. For sure. That's... that's that's uh, Big crowds. That State Basketball Center crowd Unbelievable. And so, that that's firing right now. College basketball started today. Oh. We're recording this on a Tuesday, so that's kicked off too. Yep. So there's just a lot of basketball Oops. right now on top of the NBA stuff that I'm sure everyone's already watching. Um, but get around it all. 
We will catch you next week. This has been the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour from Olga Norwich, Peter Hooley. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week.